Hello and welcome to Jade Talk Stuff. I'm your host, Jade Jackson, and in this episode, I'll be talking about stuff and literally how stuff doesn't define it and also what it means to lose absolutely everything you own. So, living in the Blue Mountains, a common threat every summer is bushfires. The closest we'd seen was backburning in our backyard which was still pretty scary, but most years there's massive bushfires and often many houses are lost. The biggest year of bushfires in the Blue Mountains in recent memory was in October of 2013 and many students and families my mum knows because she's a teacher were affected by these and they lost everything, their house and everything they owned. If you've listened to other podcast episodes of mine or read the writing section on my website, You'll also know that in 2013, my parents' house burnt down, and they too lost everything. I was in New Zealand at the time, and before I moved to New Zealand, I had stored everything I owned in their attic for safekeeping. However, their house didn't burn in bushfires. Despite being surrounded by bush, it was because of all things, a toaster. The day my parents' house burnt down, was I think a Friday afternoon in January 2013. My mum and my sister were out shopping, buying back-to-school stuff. My brother and stepdad were both working, and I was just finishing teaching a tourism class in Wellington, New Zealand. Anyway, my neighbour noticed smoke billowing from the roof and called the fire brigade. But by then, the fire had already been burning for over an hour, and by the time the firefighters arrived, the house was well alit. My mother received a phone call to say the house was on fire. She then immediately called insurance. She was on the phone for so long, my sister got bored waiting and went to sit in the car. She turned the air conditioning on and the radio. And 40 minutes later, when my mum went to drive off, the car had a flat battery. So she then had to call roadside assistance, who took ages to arrive. Meanwhile, my mum and sister are sitting there knowing the house is burning. Not that there was anything they could have done, and the firefighters were on the scene, but it's still a helpless and frustrating situation. I remember sitting at my desk in New Zealand, just finishing up. Everyone was about to have a Friday afternoon drink, and both my brother and sister posted on Facebook something about, our house is on fire. And I called mum and she wasn't yet home, so she didn't have much to say apart from, yep, it's a light and it's bad. I got off the phone and I remember saying to my boss, um, I think my parents' house just burnt down. And the first thing she said was, do you need to fly home? And I was like, to what? There's no home to go to. Whilst I was prepared to go back for moral support, it would have just meant an extra person to find a bed for, which would have just complicated things. Luckily, insurance found emergency housing and provided emergency supplies for them in the short term. According to the investigators... The toaster sparked and short-circuited, and that set fire to nearby curtains. Once they lit up, they set fire to surrounding wood, which then went up into the ceiling, and then boom! Boxes of books, wooden rafters, plus boxes of photo albums, all perfect fuel to keep the fire getting bigger. It took several hours for the fire to be reduced to smouldering ashes, and by then the roof had collapsed, and many items were unrecognisable or had seemingly vanished. Two-inch or four-centimetre stone bench top in the kitchen. Gone. No trace. 
two metre or three, six, maybe six foot tall, double door fridge, gone. 50 inch TV, gone. All these items burnt to ashes. A queen size iron frame bed in my sister's room, also gone. Just a thin charred metal strip remained. There's some photos of the remains I've uploaded to my website, which I'll include a link to in the show notes so you can have a look. Some would say it's morbid. I think it's fascinating, and I still look at them occasionally. However, the weirdest thing was not what burnt, it's what didn't burn. So my family had returned from a holiday to visit me in New Zealand a few days before, and my mum had some duty-free alcohol. A bottle of vodka completely melted in the fire, but a bottle of champagne that was right next to it was completely fine. Also, on the kitchen bench that was totally destroyed, there was a packet of shapes, which are savoury biscuits, completely undamaged. A few months later, when I visited Australia for Easter, I went to look at the remains of the house, and I had a walkthrough, and amongst all the rubble was a letter one of my friends had sent me when I was living in London years before. And obviously it had been in a box in the roof, and had fallen down, but somehow it had survived the actual fire. But basically, everything within the house was either burnt to ash, or smoke and water damaged. We're talking 30 years of photos, books, CDs, DVDs, of which I had amassed a collection of several thousand, including many rare limited editions, and CDs and books signed by the artist or author. All of that, gone. Amongst it all was my notebooks, which included poetry, screenplays, novels I'd started, all handwritten, all gone. Most annoyingly for my parents was they had just finished extensive renovations the day before, including the bathroom and a year before that their kitchen and living area. They of course lost an entire house worth of stuff. Clothes, plates, cutlery, dining table, couch, TV, bed, artwork, toiletries, shoes, board games, books, DVDs, electronics, kitchen appliances. It's not until you have to start itemising every single thing for insurance that you realise how much stuff you actually own. Most tragic, of course, was the family cat had recently had kittens and some of the kittens ran away into the bush. At least that's what we hope, because they were never seen again. You'd think that losing absolutely everything, including the house itself, would be amongst the worst things possible. But strangely, it wasn't. All my family were fine and safe. It's not until you lose everything that you realise stuff doesn't matter. We were all still breathing, walking, talking. I'm still me. None of it defined who I was or am. Sure, it's annoying. And years later, we still have conversations like, Hey, what happened to blah blah blah? And mum will be like, oh, burning the fire, remember? Oh, yeah. It's impossible to remember every single thing that you ever owned. And often it's a case of something sparking a memory and then you suddenly remembering something you'd previously forgotten about. Maybe a song will come on. Then you remember a CD you used to own or a t-shirt from that band or that your CD included a ticket stub from when you saw them in concert. What's even stranger is the things that randomly turn up now, years later, after the fire, and after moving several times. Just the other day, I was tidying up a living area that some small little people relatives had been playing in. There were pencils and textures and markers everywhere, and amongst it was a photo frame that had a photo of my brother as a baby. He's now like 23, 24. 
There was also a photo of me as a pimply teenager holding him. And then another school photo of me as a six-year-old with blonde hair. I used to live near the beach when I was a kid and I had blonde hair, which then mysteriously went dark when I grew older. Anyway, I have no idea where that frame has been or how it suddenly appeared outside my bedroom door, but there it was. Another time when I was in New Zealand and I was tidying up my apartment, I found a school pin or a badge that was from my high school. I have no idea how that found its way to New Zealand. It's just bizarre. Maybe it was a ghost, but that pin would have been in the fire or should have been anyway. Just don't understand. Even though we lost everything, including all my writings, about six months after the fire, I remembered when I was 18, I gave a handwritten notebook to a couple of my closest friends, which contained around a hundred of my favourite poems. Mostly they were just a few lines. Some made zero sense. Some were terribly corny, but they were my first ever poems and they defined a period of my life. I remember driving along the main street of Newtown in Wellington in New Zealand and I was like, the book! And I went home and messaged and emailed everyone I gave a book to. And one friend, Emma, sent a message back to say, actually, yes, I still have that book. It's in my bookcase. I'm looking at it right now. And I was like, oh my God, not all was lost. She ended up sending it to me. And I remember when it arrived, my hands were shaking with excitement. And as soon as I saw the cover, I remembered everything. I read through, I remembered where I was when I wrote some of the poems and what I was thinking and, well, most importantly, they survived. I know I've thanked her many times, but thank you, Emma, for holding on to my precious Albe corny and cringeworthy poems. I still plan on giving it back to you now that I've copied them all down and stored them in the cloud, and I will one day. It's also surprising how many other people, like relatives and family friends, had photos throughout the years. And we managed to scan enough copies to piece together photos from most of my childhood and teen years. Luckily, my brother and sister were born in the digital era, so there's a lot more photos of them. Now, five years after the fire, I've accumulated so many books and clothes and travel gear, I can't fit anything else into my cupboard. Does it make me happier, knowing I've got lots of stuff back? Hmm. Some of it certainly makes my life easier and enjoyable, but I have come to realise that very little of it is truly necessary. In a consumerist society which emphasises the importance of material possessions, causing people, especially kids, to get stressed when they don't have the latest game or the newest iPad, and parents are stressed because it all costs money, but really, none of it matters. We can still walk down the street not spend any money. We can choose to be and not buy stuff. When you take a step back and really look at television, internet, advertising, even traditional media like newspapers, everything is aimed at trying to get us to buy stuff. Everywhere you look, there is someone trying to sell you something. Buy a new TV, buy a new house, renovate your house, requiring the purchase of new tools to renovate and buy new furniture, buy a new car, buy this food, buy these clothes, buy these toys or whatever. Even trying to live a healthy outdoor life, you're pressured to buy this active gear, buy this super healthy nutrients and buy this drink bottle. Everywhere you look, everything is aimed at trying to make us buy stuff, stuff we don't need, stuff we can easily live without. Once we notice this and realise, actually, I don't need what everyone is selling, life becomes far less stressful, far simpler. None of this is more obvious 
than at key gift-giving times like Christmas, Valentine's Day, Easter. It's easy to believe the hype because marketers spend years studying human behaviour, including what makes us buy impulsively and what makes us feel good or bad about ourselves, and they exploit it all. They don't care about you. They don't want to make you more beautiful or more liked or to impress your mates. They just want you to buy their stuff, whatever they're selling. They want you to buy the dream to make you think you can improve yourself just by having their thing. The only exception to this is artists and creators. They're just trying to live, doing what they love. But this isn't about that. This is about stuff. Until you find yourself without stuff, only then do you recognise that stuff doesn't define us. Stuff doesn't make us a better person. Stuff doesn't make us more beautiful. Stuff doesn't make us nicer or more lovable. Stuff is just a noisy distraction, keeping us from achieving personal goals like writing a book, travelling the world, or helping people in need. Look around your bedroom, your living room, your bathroom and kitchen. What stuff do you really need to get by in daily life? What stuff could you easily do without? Take a photo of every item in your house and put it into a spreadsheet with an approximate cost if you were to replace that item. It doesn't have to be exact, just a guesstimate. Now add up the total cost of all your stuff and look at what else could you do with that money. What other experiences could be had? How else could that money be better spent or used? I've often heard people say, oh, I can't afford to travel. But then their house is filled with stuff they don't need. Keeping a spreadsheet of every item photographed, along with a receipt as you buy it or a guesstimate if it's too old, whilst you have everything in your possession, is crucial for insurance purposes, just in case you ever lose everything from a disaster. This weekend, make sure you back up everything to the cloud. If you can afford it, keep a spare hard drive filled with everything from your computer at a relative's house, so you have a triple backup. You shouldn't have to lose any data from your computer, be it photos, music, writings, or anything else you have stored. Even though a house fire or bushfire is something you'd never expect to happen, you don't have to go through the trauma of losing all your stuff before benefiting from removing the need for stuff from your life. Have a garage sale. Empty cupboards. Empty your wardrobe. If you've not worn it in 6 to 12 months, get rid of it. Set a target to read all your books. We've been trained to believe we need this stuff in our lives when actually it is simply not true. We don't need to buy stuff. We don't need to have a new phone every year. We don't need to renovate to be happier. We just need to stop, appreciate what we do have and put what money you do have to better use. The spiral of debt comes partially from the desire set up as a false need by retailers and corporations convincing us that we need to buy their stuff regardless of what it is. You can say no to buying. You don't have to have the latest version when the previous model works just fine. Learn to make stuff. In regards to fire, make sure you take simple precautions for preventing fire in the first place. Have smoke alarms, fire blankets, fire extinguishers. Then making sure that electrical items are switched off at the power point when you leave the house. Also make sure, of course, in winter, heaters and irons are switched off. Around the house, make sure you remove substances that could put your house at further risk, like chemical. Like all disasters and emergencies, have a plan on how to escape, practice, and make sure you have adequate insurance coverage. My family could have rebuilt with the insurance payout, but they chose to buy another house to live in, which ultimately suited them better. 
so they at least ended up with somewhere else to live. So the point of this episode is, before finding yourself in a disaster, having lost everything, take stock of what's important. Realise that not everything is. Free yourself so you don't have to go through the trauma of losing it. Thank you very much for listening to Jade Talk Stuff. If you wish to say hi, you can tweet me at Jackson. You can find me on Facebook at Photography. Head to my website for more awesome stuff like past podcast episodes at jadejackson.com.au and most importantly, make sure you subscribe to this and my other podcast, Travelosophy, which features life lessons learnt from travel so you don't miss out on future episodes. If you'd like to show your support for my podcasts and receive bonus content and additional shows, then head to my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash jadejackson. And of course, there's links to all these in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Jade Talk Stuff. Bye now.